Good morning, church. So nice to see all of you, um, despite the weather. And um, that's, how, that's the way it should be, right? Coming to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, come to the house of the Lord. And uh, it is always a privilege. And today, especially, it's, um, it's an honor for me to stand up here, because this is not my job normally. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, Pastor Dave will be back soon. <laughs> um, so uh, today, um, as you can see, uh, I just want to talk about uh, a king and his cause, the king of kings and the cause of all causes, and keeping in, in theme with um, what we're doing um, in, um, in church. And um, I just want to talk about the, the friend of sinners. That's what Jesus was called. And, um, and, and just talk about his heart for the lost talk about what attracted sinners to him. And we'll look at a couple of portions of scripture, um, and we'll see how this applies to our lives. Amen? Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful morning, and thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you, Lord, where two or three are gathered, you are there, as Anton said, you are there, Lord. And Lord, we know your presence is here. And I pray that, Lord, as we learn from your word today, this word will challenge us. And it will move us, Lord, forward from glory to glory, from faith to faith. It will, Lord, Lord, encourage us, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will bless your word to our hearts. Your word will not return to you void. It will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you know, God's word, um, he, he, he says that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word, and this morning we're going to hear from the Gospel, and we're going to see um, how, how Jesus lived when he was on this earth, uh, and we're going to see how, uh, you know, the, the beauty of uh, his love that was poured out for all the, all the accounts that were there in the Bible, uh, and, and this morning he is here and he's reaching out to us. He wants, he wants to have that close relationship with us. He wants us to be just like him. Amen? He wants us to be just like him. So, uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'll just put this out there. Now, Jesus, uh, you know, when he was on this earth, there were so many sinners who were just attracted to him. Amen? Sinners were drawn to him. They were not repelled from him. And when we look at everything that we're going to look at today, that's the challenge for us. Are we repelling sinners or are we drawing people to Jesus? So I just put that out there. All right. So uh, in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, I'll read this out. You don't have to. If you want, you can turn to it. Uh, the Bible says, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a glutton and a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So, when Jesus was doing what he was doing, and when sinners were following him, when he was um, you know, healing people, when, when, when he was spending time with all the, the worst people in society, because they all you know, needed him, this is the, the accusation that was put out. Here is a wine-bibber and a friend of sinners. And this was the accusation from those who thought that, that they were righteous, from the Pharisees. And um, 
that was that was basically his uh, his label. And then uh, just before that, in Luke chapter five and verse thirty. It says, and the scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen? How beautiful is that? And I, I think the whole, whole thing uh, where the Pharisees got it wrong was that they thought, you know, God, who gave them the law, wouldn't have nothing to do with sinners. But the law wasn't the end point here. It was drawing his people to himself. And that's where the Pharisees missed out. They lost, they lost that part of it. And here comes, you know, the Son of God, leaving all his glory from heaven above. And he came down to this earth to... He humbled himself um, to the point of being a bond servant, and he, he was he, he was born in a in a lowly manger, and he was scorned and whipped, mocked, and he died on the cross for you and for me. He gave it all. Amen. So it was the total opposite of what the Pharisees and uh, you know the 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 self righteous was expecting. So, just moving on. So, um, the whole thing about Jesus is that, you know, he, he, he always talks about the one that is lost. And if you look at all the parables in the Gospels, it talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep. Um, and I'll read about the lost sheep. What do you think? So, this is in, sorry, Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray. Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I read a saying the other day that, that said that, uh, you wonder what this logic is where the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. What's going to happen to the 99? But then, uh, you know, you, you, you get the answer to that when you are that one. When you are the one who is missing, when you are the one who is lost, then you know why the shepherd would leave the 99 and come after that one. Because it's the power of one. He comes, he comes, and he, 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 he sees the value in every person, in every life. And that's his heart. His heart is reaching out for that one. Amen? That's, that's how beautiful his heart is. Um, now, at that time, there were two types of individuals. So, like I said, there was the arrogant, self-righteous, self-serving, judgmental, merciless Pharisees and the, you know, the, uh, the teachers of the law. Uh, and then there was the people who are drowning in sin as well. So this is the scene. And um, uh, the first, first uh, uh, portion of scripture I want to, first account I want to talk to you about is Zacchaeus. 
So Zacchaeus, as you know, was, uh, was a tax collector. He was a, the Bible says he was a chief tax collector. And, um, uh, and at that time, tax collectors were one of the most hated, hated people in society because they took more than what they should take. Right? And as it is, who likes paying taxes? No one? <laughs> right. No one likes paying taxes, right? So you have this guy who's collecting taxes for, for the Romans, and then he takes a little bit more as well. And because of that, uh, tax collectors were quite rich, wealthy. Um, so we'll, we'll, read the, we'll read the portion of Scripture. So it says in Luke chapter 19, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He was rich, and he sought to see who Jesus was but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, saw him, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must come, I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What a powerful story. I'm always challenged by this story. Why? Because Jesus never asked him to change. Jesus simply went to his house. Amen? And as a tax collector, everyone, like I said, everyone hated tax collectors. And you would think that, uh, you know, at that time they thought Jesus was a prophet, Messiah, a prophet, the Messiah, would have nothing to do with these sort of people. But here he was calling Zacchaeus down from the tree and saying, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. I'm not only going to talk to you, but I'm going to come to your house. And it was such a wonderful act of grace that Zacchaeus was touched by that you saw the result. He gave half of his belongings to the poor. Amen. And he restored fourfold uh, from those who he had taken unjustly. Now, that was just by simply Jesus being gracious and going to his house. Now, when I read this, this portion of scripture, I ask myself, what was it about Jesus that drew sinners to him? What was it about Jesus that made people change? What was it? And I believe, you know, that it was, it was just the grace exuding from him and the love that was just coming out of him. Now, this is a challenge for us. We are the bride of Christ. We're supposed to be like him. The Bible says, be imitators of God. Let's, you know, like, let's be like him. So, are we like that? Are we doing that? Are we being, um, you know, are singers attracted to us? Are people able to confide in us? Um, 
So it's a challenging portion of scripture. He was touched by God's love. Jesus didn't tell him to repent, change his ways. But all Jesus did was go to his house. That's all. And he was touched by that amazing love. And I believe, you know, like we sing so many beautiful songs about Jesus. And he is altogether lovely. He's beautiful. He's abounding in mercy. He's full of grace. And when you come into contact with him, you will never be the same again. Amen? Have you experienced that? The fact that you're here today is because you have experienced the love of God. Amen? On your lives. You have experienced his grace. And we, like, of course, we, we, haven't, we, we haven't lived at the time that Jesus was on this earth. But imagine uh, what it would have been like to live at that time and to sit next to him and experience his presence in that house. The next is, um, you know, the next account is about the sinful woman. Now, this is um, in Luke chapter 7, verses 36. Um, now, this woman, the Bible is not very clear about uh, what they, they just say she was a sinful woman. Uh, but some people believe, you know, this, this is a prostitute. And, um, and she came, you know, to, to see Jesus. Now, I'll read from verse 36. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, uh, when she, she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who invited him had, uh, saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now she, the background to this is that she, you know, she broke every custom, every law to be there just by being there. Because uh, the law of Moses says that if a woman um, you know, is being caught in adultery, uh, is, you know, is, is in sin, uh, she should be stoned, right? And, um, uh, and Moses, he, he forbade prosecution in, you know, in the law. But this woman, she made her way uh, into the house of a Pharisee. How bold is that? These, these were people who were hidden in society. But there was something about Jesus that she felt she had to come. She had to come. She had to break all the norms of society. She had to break all the cultural um, inhibitions. And she had to come. So she came into the house of the Pharisee, sat down at his feet, and began to weep, and began to break that costly uh, perfume. 
uh, and, and pour her heart out to Jesus. Again, I'll ask you, what was it about Jesus? The friend of sinners that drew people out of whatever hole they were in to come right out into the open and to, to sit and to meet Jesus. He is altogether lovely, altogether beautiful, full of mercy, full of grace. Amen? That was drawing and attracting people to him. And the Bible says in um, Hebrews 11.6 that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And I believe, you know, this woman knew that. That, yes, the law has condemned me. Yes, I'm condemned by society. But if I humble myself at the feet of the lawgiver, the lawmaker, he will have mercy on me. Because uh, he is merciful. He is gracious. Amen? And that's his heart. And I believe for us, when we come to God, we have to always believe, no matter where we've been, what we've done, that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. He is, he's not out there to punish you. He's not out there to, uh, you know, with a big stick. But he's always there to call you and to, to draw you into him. Amen? Amen? And he is full, full of grace and full of mercy. He is closer than a friend, and in him, we are complete. And that's what I believe the woman felt. As long as I get to him, he is my all. Nothing else matters. I, I don't care about the consequences of being in that house. As long as I am in his presence, as long as I am at his feet, nothing else matters. That was, that was her heart. So today, is that your heart? Yeah? Are you, or are you afraid? Are you hiding in the shadows? Because we all, we all struggle. We're we all weak. We're all um, sinful. We're struggling. We're all on a journey. But what we, what we see here is that his heart is an open heart, always, always calling us, always bringing us back. Amen? And we may, like, like the lost sheep, we may go out a hundred times away from him but he's always calling us back with his love. He's always there. And you can reach out to him. And he is just one word away. All you need to say is, Jesus, Jesus, I come out. I come out of my shadows. I come out of everything that I've been in. And I reach out to you. Now, <clears throat> I just want to share an example because... Um, you know, just about, um, uh, about, about people who have been uh, struggling with sin and those in, in society who, you know, who, who we can be a light to. I remember many years ago, um, and you can ask my mom about this, uh, when we lived in Sri Lanka, there was, uh, we had um, uh, a little bit of a ministry in regional Sri Lanka, and um, it was a lot of the poor people who used to come to, uh, to our home uh, and you know, hear about Jesus and have a little prayer meeting. And uh, we started to see uh, 
the word go, go round, and then prostitutes started to come. Uh, and uh, uh, prostitutes were getting saved. It was very powerful. Uh, and, you know, we were very open. My mom, was very, my, mom my father, they were very open to in, anyone coming and hearing uh, what God was doing. But as soon as the neighbors in the area saw that uh, these women were coming to, and singing and, you know, helping um, with the ministry, they said, we don't want to have anything to do with these people. We don't want to eat from the plates they eat because we don't know where they've been. Uh, and it was exactly what, like what this Pharisee said. Uh, if only this man knew what sort of woman this was. So uh, it was a beautiful experience because we could see firsthand the power of God changing lives uh, in the poorest communities where God did a powerful work and they were never, never the same again. And now there's a church uh, built in that little, little town. Um, so my challenge again to you is this. Are you living for yourself? Are you a friend to sinners like Jesus was? Or are you a repellent? Are they happy to come close to you and, you know, do you have that same attractiveness that Jesus had that drew sinners to him? Or when they see you, do they say, oh, I don't have anything to do with, you, with this person because this person is going to judge me uh, and condemn me? You can start with your own household. You can start with your relatives. You can start with your neighbors. Start with your friends, your circle of influence, your workplace. Be a good friend. Be open and let, let the Holy Spirit move through you. Another example. So this was in Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now there was a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt, uh, she felt in her body that she, have, she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what, she, what, what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now this is beautiful because, again, because she had an issue of blood, this woman, for 12 years, the law of Moses says, whatever she touches is unclean. Right? So, I believe that, you know, for 12 years, everyone would have said, told her, don't touch. Right? Inside her house, don't touch this, don't touch that. Uh, stay away. And because, because according to the law, she was unclean. But that very thing, 
that people told her not to do, she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. But he didn't become unclean. He cleansed her. Amen? Because he is the fountain of clean. <laughs> Amen? And there again, you see, you see the attractiveness of Jesus. That a woman like this would come out into the open and, and, and take the risk of, you know, of all, all that could happen when she's out in the open. But she did that. And she, had, she was drawn to him. And that's the attractiveness of Jesus. Church, we need to, we need to be like him. We need to have uh, the anointing of God working through us, flowing through us in a powerful way. We can't, um, you know, we can't say, yes, that was Jesus, but that's not us. No. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Amen? We are, we are his, uh, his body here on earth. And it's time that the church rises up, the church, Holy Spirit, you know, uh, stirs up in us, and we start to live that way. Because there is a world that is full of sin, and sin is getting, is getting worse, and the, 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 the world is getting darker and darker. And this is the time that the church has to shine. Amen? We can't be uh, just Christians, uh, for, you know, namesake Christians, we got to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do you, how do you have that? You know, I believe it's, uh, the Bible says that um, we diffuse the, the, the presence of Christ in every place that we go to. Amen? Um, so it says um, in... If I can find the verse... Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.15, uh, you know, that we, we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Amen? How beautiful is that verse? And it's the fragrance of Christ that draws out the worst uh, sinner to him. So it's not something that we, uh, you know, we go out and tell people about Jesus and uh, no, people come to us, amen, because they see the beauty of Christ in us. So, yes, it's good to go out and evangelize, but it's even better when people come to you. Say, hey, there's something different about you. There's something about you. There's something, the way, the way you love people, the way you're gracious, the way you answer, the way you care for the sick, the way you give to the poor. There's something beautiful about you. And that's something that comes with the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says that He is the spirit of love. God says He has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So He is the spirit of love. The Bible says that God is love. Amen? So when you have that love and you have the spirit of love, in you, everything changes. You become a blessing. You become a blessing and a fragrance of Christ everywhere you go is diffused beautifully. So if, if, if you haven't noticed that in your life and if you think that people are running away from you, it's time to ask yourself, am I diffusing the fragrance of Christ or is this, is this my fragrance? 
Amen? Challenge yourselves, because the time is now. We got to, we don't put this off. If, if you need to have a time, you know, where you sit down and pray and challenge yourself before God, do it now. Because every moment you waste is a moment lost. People are perishing. We need to live for Him. Look at people the way God looks at them with love-filled eyes. Um, many years ago, I, uh, my father, he had a, uh, a little devotional, and uh, uh, I found it many years ago after, after he passed away. And there was a beautiful prayer in there. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, and it has been my prayer every time I, of course, it's not every day, but every time I see this, uh, it has been my prayer. It goes like this. Lord, in the quiet of this morning hour, I come to thee for peace, for wisdom, power, to view the world today through love-filled eyes. Be patient, to be understanding, gentle, wise, to see beyond what seems to be, and know thy children as thou knowest them. And so, not but the good in anyone behold. Make deaf my ears to slander that is told, Silence my tongue to aught that is unkind. Let only thoughts that bless dwell in my mind. Let me so kindly be so full of cheer that all I meet may feel thy presence near. O clothe me in thy beauty, this I pray. Let me reveal thee, Lord, through all the day. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Um, and this is what the Christian life is. That we don't live for ourselves. We live for the one who enlisted us, who called us, who died on the cross for us. So it's not enough just to be saved. Yes, hallelujah, praise God, you're saved. But continue living that life and let the Holy Spirit flow through you in power, the, the spirit of love, that you will impact people everywhere you go. So, the summary, right? I've gone all over the place, right, today. But there's so much to get out of these uh, interactions that Jesus had with people. So, the summary is this. It's twofold. To those who are struggling with sin, come as you are, find mercy and grace. His is the sweetest of loves, where your heart becomes free and your shame is undone. And then to the saved, are the sinners attracted to the love of God and grace flowing through your life? Or are you a repellent and judgmental and self-righteous like the Pharisees? So the challenge is, go out into your workplace, your family, your friends, your circle of influence, share the love of God. Be gracious in everything you do, because Colossians 4, 6 says, let your words be seasoned with grace. Amen. So, in your words, in your actions, the things you want to listen to, the things you want to be a part of, there's so many things where the grace of God, the power of God can come and change your life. And you can be, uh, you know, uh, a powerful witness for God. There's so much of power. And the Bible also says that even if you have a prayer request, 
the, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So when you, when you start to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of love flowing through you, your prayers become powerful because you're, you're starting to walk in the spirit. You're starting to live in his power. Everything starts to change. And you become, you grow in power, you grow in stature in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's my message for you today. And um, uh, I'd like to, uh, before, before I close, um, let's spend a little time in prayer. And if, if this message has, has challenged you, let's pray. Let's pray together. Because as a church, we want to be effective in this region. We want to be effective wherever we are. We don't want to live the same way we, we, we've been. We want to grow from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. Amen. So let's just bow our heads.